This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Sir Anthony Selden. Now this week Boris Johnson lost his second ethics advisor since entering 10 Downing Street. Lord Gite handed in his notice, raising his frustrations over Partygate. We've already seen hints of his frustrations over Wallpapergate. But he said the real trigger for him choosing to leave was down to another matter when it came to the steel industry, as what has been reported since then. James, Boris Johnson is now about an ethics advisor and there are signs that he may not recruit a new one. Or that they say that, you know, the pressure of the job has been too much for one individual, so they might spread it out among a panel. Now, you could suggest, the cynic might suggest other ways you could reduce the pressure on the, the one individual doing the job. Is that, is that the behaviour of ministers? It, it, indeed. I think the challenge, I think you saw this. So, first of all, I think Lord Guy has quit over this issue about the Trade Remedies Authority, but I think it's quite clear from his resignation letter that this was the straw that broke the camel's back rather than he being completely content in his job and then suddenly this thing came along and he decided he had to go. And I think there is a challenge here. I think you highlighted this in your piece on his departure, which is in his annual review of his job, he did say that he thought the government's proposed changes to it were at the low end of ambition. And I mean, there is a tension here because I think it is quite clear that if Boris Johnson is to appoint a third ethics advisor, that person will want the ability to initiate their own inquiries. Boris Johnson, I think, feels quite keenly that, you know, he's the prime minister and it's his code. And so he doesn't really want people launching investigations without him having a say over it. So I think you have this tension here. And it is a question of, you know, is the system simply that the prime minister should you'd be able to police the code and Parliament can hold him to account if he's not? Or do you need some other independent structure around it? And I mean, I think this is where where things get difficult and complicated. But I think that, you know, there is an argument that if someone like Lord Geit, who is not, you know, former private secretary of the Queen, he's not exactly un, unversed in the ways that the world works, couldn't make the job work, then I think that suggests that the job, as it's currently constituted, isn't working. And you're going to need to give the ethics advisor more independence if the job is to succeed. Anthony, you've, of course, penned the biographies of many prime ministers. And I wonder, when it comes to this, do you think, is the issue the job or is the issue the way government is currently working? What, what do you think? I think the issue, Katie, is the prime minister and the way that they're choosing to do the job, which is unlike any other prime minister, certainly since Lloyd George, and that's going to put great strain when it comes onto a system that's very fluid without a written constitution. And I mean, even with a written constitution, one can see how President Trump pushed and strained every single sinew and fibre of the president's job in the US. And Boris Johnson is doing the same in this country. And that is what's happened. If you have a wild card as prime minister who doesn't follow convention and doesn't follow the unwritten procedures, then we 
have this position. So I think Lord Geit's resignation is perhaps the least surprising event of the year. <gasps> and, I, and I just wondered on that, Anthony, just for listeners, I mean, perhaps you could just talk us through how Boris Johnson compared to some of his predecessors does treat this differently. I, I know it's kind of, is almost assumed that Boris Johnson doesn't play by the rules in the usual way. But how does it compare to, say, those who came before him, Theresa May, David Cameron? Are there any comparisons that can be made? Well, certainly you have perhaps of the 55, there's never been a starker contrast than Theresa May, who did revere Parliament and followed procedure to the agonising letter and was very correct in everything she did to be replaced by Boris Johnson, polar opposite. I mean, to an extent, the job, as Asquith, the Liberal Prime Minister, said, is very much what each and individual Prime Minister chooses to make of that job, Katie. But in Boris Johnson, his very strength is his very weakness. His strength is his willingness to play things entirely his own way and to do things that other prime ministers haven't wanted to or in some cases haven't dared to do. But he runs his court like Henry VIII and it is anarchic in in every way. And he is going to run up against these problems as he will with the third ethics advisor till till they resign. And James, when it comes to, I suppose, Boris Johnson and his relationship with his ethics advisor, if they do go for something, for example, the panel, there's this review going through it, how do you think it's going to land with the party, but also ministers, if Boris Johnson goes for a new system? Do you think there actually is going to be enough trust that this system is there to serve in a way, or it's more just to cover for the prime minister? I think a lot will depend on what, on what the arrangement is. I think it'll guide has done Boris Johnson a favour in this way, in that he has chosen to resign a couple of weeks after a no-confidence vote, months before another ballot is due, and at a time when these all these stories were not that in the news. And he's also chosen to resign over an issue that is kind of more conventional governing than lots of the other scrapes that Boris Johnson has got into. But I, I think the question becomes, you know, I think if Boris Johnson does just tries to kind of abolish the role or set up a panel which is clearly loaded in in his favour, I think it will cause concerns about, you know, his whole attitude to scrutiny and accountability. And I think that the danger is that if you tried that, that Parliament would then decide that it was going to take on more of this role itself. Now, obviously, Parliament can't be the guardians of the ministerial code, but, you know, more of this stuff ending up in parliamentary committees, like the one chaired by Will Ragg, a noted Johnson critic on the Tory benches. And so I think this is the danger. I think there is a feeling about this. I also think there is another issue here, which is, you know, in terms of recruiting a third ethics advisor, Again, if Lord Guite, you know, former special forces, former private secretary to the Queen, you know, the kind of person who I think probably would have thought that to, to adopt a, a metaphor often used about the Bank of England, that a kind of raise of his eyebrows would be enough to control behaviour. You know, if he finds that he can't do it, I think few people will, will feel particularly confident about applying to do this job. Anthony, do you think there'd be many applications if Boris Johnson does conclude that he needs a third ethics advisor? Well, I, I don't think, Katie, you or James are going to be hurrying to get your application in. I mean, it must be one of the least attractive positions because that person will immediately be criticised with the presumption that they are a fool guy, that they are sucking up to the Prime Minister, and their every action will be scrutinised. It's going to be extraordinarily difficult to find somebody, so expect maybe that process to be as protracted as possible. 
and their every action to be scrutinised. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of questions after this premiership is over about the way that the Prime Minister chooses to operate in office and the, the network of trust and, and respect that the British Constitution is based upon. And when you break those, as Peter Hennessy calls it, the good chap theory, good person theory, then things do begin to break down. Our system operates on the basis of people, people's actions operating within norms of respectable and understood common decency and behaviour. And I think that's going to very much come under the light. So I, I cannot see people rushing for this job and I can't see this ending happily at all. And just finally, Anthony, on that, do you think we're going to have a situation then where when Boris Johnson leaves office, whether it's this year, next year, five years longer, actually some of these things are going to be quite hard to bring back. Convention may have changed and the system may have changed for long term. Or do you think we'll actually see quite a quick bounce back? I think there'll be a very quick bounce back and and whoever takes over, whether Keir Starmer personality, Jeremy Hunt personality, it will be a much more conventional figure and expect them to trade very strongly off the fact that they are doing things in the known and understood ways and conventions of British government. So I can't see Boris Johnson's premiership changing the rules of behaviour. And that's that's what happens. Do you get outlying prime ministers and everyone says, well, everything's changing, but then it, it does revert to norm. James? I think there's an interesting parallel that neither of them would like between Boris Johnson and John Burko. John Burko changed the role of Speaker quite dramatically, said, look, you know, all these conventions, I don't intend to follow them. Boris Johnson is doing something similar, I think, not dissimilar in number 10. And the Speakership has largely flipped back to how it was before under Lindsay Hoyle, but not totally. And I do think that some of these differences in terms of approach will be lasting. And I think there is also, you know, Boris Johnson exemplifies a trend that we've seen in British politics, which is this move towards, you know, a more presidential system of government that is that is going on. Now, you can argue that this idea of a Prime Minister's Department, a permanent secretary number 10, you know, these have been ad hoc responses to particular crises and that they're not, these are not hugely fought through changes to the machinery of government. But I think they probably will endure. And I think that we are moving ever further away from the old school ideas of cabinet government and I think one of the reasons I think in some ways for the government's difficulties is at the moment that number 10 have this idea that can you know all policy development should be coming out of their own building that is I think one of the, the issues that you are seeing at the moment so I think there is an interesting question about you know how much the job changes how much more are we moving towards this idea of a kind of prime minister's department much more powerful number 10 in comparison to, to other bits of government and so I think we will have to see on that how lasting those changes are. To which Casey I would just quickly add if I can that I agree that cabinet government is really under stress though it has been for many years, there has been no prime minister in the modern era has been so powerful as Lloyd George, so presidential, and no one has done so much to build up number 10. I mean, for goodness sake, he had buildings in the garden of of number 10 called the number 10 or the garden suburb because he was so keen on centralising power within the centre, not just during the war, but after 1918 also. So I think when we look back, I tend to see rises and falls in prime ministerial power and presidency rather than a trend line. So time will prove whether 
James is right, quite probably, with his increasing trend towards presidentialism and number 10 or powerful, or whether it is indeed the wave motion that I see. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.